0: Welcome to A Command of Her Own, a Star Trek podcast. I'm your host,
1: Caitlin. And I'm your host, Jen. This week, we're discussing episode 6 of Star Trek Discovery, Lethe. And I looked up how to say that, so it's correct. And Kate, what was your overall reaction to this episode? I very much enjoyed this one. I
0: also really enjoyed this one. Good, good, good. It's always nice when we're
1: on the same page. Yes. Yeah. Although maybe it's more
0: interesting if we're not.
1: I mean, well, I mean, I think there's a lot to talk about with this one episode in particular. Mm-hmm. Because uh, there was parts of it that I definitely still didn't like. But in terms of the episode overall, I thought it was good. It was a lot less urgent feeling. Than some of the other episodes, but there was still some really good stuff in there mm-hmm. that I enjoyed a lot. So,
0: I I agree. Sorry, oh, I didn't really okay. have anything to add.
1: <laughs> That's okay. I was switching tabs oh, okay. in my browser. So, um, okay. So this episode, one of the things I liked about it was that it had much clearer sort of like plot A, plot B, and. Yes the scenes were sort of longer and or more had better flow to them. Like, I felt they gave the scenes really time to develop and let them lead naturally to the points they had to make.
0: I also enjoyed how, like, it hadn't had a very good... Every, every scene seemed to fit, even the ones that were from the plot B or whatever. Like, nothing felt completely out of left field like it did in the previous episode?
1: Yes, very much so. This one was written by... Oh, I just had this up in front of me. Okay, so for this one, Joe Minoski and Ted Sullivan were the main writers on it. And Joe Minoski has a whole bunch of Star Trek credits, like writing credits, so I think part of why I really enjoyed this episode was because that it really had like a Star Trekky feel to it. Yeah. It it just felt like an episode of Star Trek to me. I agree. And I think that's um, in big part due to the writers.
0: Uh, I mean, obviously we're not really going to get into this, but I thought the preview for next week looked very Star Trekky also.
1: Oh, on Crave, where I watch it, they're not giving previews. Oh. I have noticed that uh, there's uh, usually on the Facebook group, somebody posts the preview for next week, and sometimes I manage to catch it and watch it, and sometimes I don't, but today I was offline most of the day, so I didn't, I haven't seen anything for next week. Gotcha. So now I'm intrigued.
0: But let's, oh, go ahead. I was just going to let you know that there was talk of a time loop.
1: Oh, a time loop episode. (gasps) I love those ones. Me too. In Star Trek, they tend to have been done pretty well, I think.
0: I don't remember any Star Trek ones. I just, I like that plot device a lot, so I'm very excited for next week's.
1: But that's not what we're discussing right now. No, let's discuss the plot of the main plot for the show, which was the plot where the Discovery crew has to go and rescue. Uh, Sarek. And Using your favorite plot device. Of all, yes. Oh, yes. That was one part that I didn't like. I was like, oh, okay, yeah. They did set up this link between them, and I guess they were going to use it more than once, so we see it pop up again, where Burnham knows that Sarek needs rescuing because of this piece of his katra that's in her mind that uh, pops up like a subspace beacon.
0: My first thought when it happened was,
1: oh, Jen's not going to like this. <laughs> I saw reactions to your tweet about it, mm-hmm. and then I was, because you didn't mention what it was, you were just like, oh, Jen's favorite plot device is like the center, central basis for this episode. And so then I was, because I didn't watch it for almost a full day after that, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, which plot device is that? There's a few I don't like. It could be several. <laughs> And it does kind of combine the flashback plot device as well. Yeah. So I was like, oh, okay, it's just kind of rolling them together for me. But it was actually well done. And I have to say that the use of flashback in this episode was plot relevant. Yeah. Uh, Like, it was showing that part, which was giving us some of Burnham's history, Mm -hmm. but there was a good reason for it, because... That's where his thoughts were going in the moments before death. It wasn't just that they were giving Michael random flashbacks while she was going to rescue somebody.
0: I will say the flashbacks used one of my least favorite plot devices. When Mm -hmm. somebody, like, misunderstands a situation and the situation is very obvious to the
1: audience. Yes. Yeah, I will say that it was very much... uh, like, it felt a bit explainy to me mm-hmm. when they were going over with Michael and, and she was realizing that he wasn't necessarily disappointed in her and and thinking that she couldn't rescue him in this situation. Mm-hmm. I was like, of course he's not thinking that. But, yeah, yeah, it was what it was. Um, I liked that they had... Uh, science to this as well. That they had to... It wasn't just like zip across through this sector and show up. There was an element of science that they had to overcome to be able to get to him. Mm -hmm. I like that as well. I like that they're letting... uh, They were letting Burnham choose who to go with her. And... Yeah, I just overall, I overall really enjoyed the, the writing of it and the plot of it and uh, how it all resolved, even.
0: Yeah, I really, I, of the, of the plot A, I don't think I had really any complaints other than that one plot device.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And even that one, like, I mentioned with the, uh, the Context is for Kings episode, I think, with, where they first meet the Tardigrade, and they throw in the Alice in Wonderland a couple times, and I mentioned that it felt like we needed another mention of it, because then it would have created like a nice like three beat throughout yeah. the episode. Uh, this one has two different three beats. So in this plot line, they do three flashbacks for Sarek, mm-hmm. um, and it was very much like, here's the intro flashback and then in the second flashback they up the ante a bit because that's the one where she gets like pulled out by her crew I think and then in the third one like she resolves it Mm -hmm. and I was like I was looking back over my notes I'm like oh yeah okay one two three nice and neat that's weird I I remember there being more but I guess there was only three yeah (laughs) so that was good. Um, one of the things revealed in the flashbacks was that Michael was older than Spock. Did you realize that, or I, I, I picked up on it,
0: yes, but I didn't, I didn't realize until somebody pointed it out on Twitter, or the general internet, that that it maybe doesn't make sense.
1: I looked up on Memory Alpha the wiki for it, mm-hmm. the wiki for Star Trek. And there's only four years difference between them. So it's not that big of an age gap. So okay,
0: I guess so if, if Spock goes, so presumably then it takes at least four years to get through whatever school Michael was in, because I seem to think they implied that or whatever program she was in, I suppose. Um, the Bulkham Science Academy. Yeah, they implied that Spock hadn't started yet, right?
1: I know that they said he hadn't finished, but he may have been in the program. Because that was part of uh, his dilemma. Was that Mm -hmm. he was going to have to choose which one got on to the next like expeditionary force. Right. And I'm pretty sure Like, I know Spock chose Starfleet, but he may have still been, like, in this school program and completed it, and then gone on to be in Starfleet. Yeah. Which, from what I recall of the original series, Spock and Sarek don't have the greatest relationship at first, and partly it's because he chose Starfleet. And this sort of actually gives more character development for Sarek as to why he might be upset about that. Because it's not just that his son is rejecting the Vulcan side of things, it's that he sacrificed Michael's career in this Yeah. so that Spock could have a chance at it. And then, you know, it just adds that extra layer for Sarek's motivations and how his character feels about the choices for his children. Yeah. I get that that was a
0: shitty situation to be in, but that was still a shit thing to do.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, and a shit thing just to like not call them out on their racism, speciesism, I don't know what is and what would be exactly, but yeah, you know, just not to to say that they're being shitty to to only allow one spot for his family there basically. Yeah. So. And I thought it was interesting that they introduced extremist elements into Vulcan society.
0: Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that, actually, because it didn't really... I mean, it started the plot, but didn't really affect it after that. That the uh, that he was basically taken out by a suicide
1: bomber. Yeah. And, I mean, they've introduced different extreme elements, I guess, in Vulcan society. I just realized after I said that, that in... Other Star Trek episodes they've introduced the other end of the extreme of Vulcan society where there's Vulcans that don't follow the philosophy of logic that embrace their extreme emotions and so I guess this the what we've seen here is the other side of the spectrum and <laughs> gives a, a little more depth to Vulcan society I, I did not know
0: that about the extreme emotion Vulcans
1: yeah, it comes up, I don't know it comes up in the original series, I can't remember, but uh, Spock's other brother, Cybok, is in Star Trek V, and I believe he follows the philosophy of embracing their emotions, and then it definitely comes up in Star Trek Enterprise. Okay. One so. that I'm probably never going to watch. Probably not. There is good stuff there, but there's also a lot of bad stuff there. Yeah. So, yeah. The only thing I can't figure out is, from what I've read, and I can't remember from watching Star Trek V, is I can't remember how Cyborg fits into the the order of things. Like, I can't remember if he's Spock's older brother. I'm assuming he's an older brother because I think he's full Vulcan. So I think that Cybok was like Sarek's child with a different wife. Okay. who, Who then may have died and then Sarek marries Amanda. And then they have Spock. And sometime in between there, they start to foster Michael. Vulcans live significantly
0: longer than humans, right? Like, yes. I feel like hundreds of years?
1: Yes. Yeah, okay. And I, when Sarek comes into Star Trek The Next Generation, I'm pretty sure he's married to a different human wife than Spock's mother. Interesting. It always seems strange because he seems
0: so very logicy, but then so very into humans and their emotions.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. I wonder if they get, like, starved for emotion. But again, that seems like a very human thing. And I don't know if that would- if Vulcans would be that way. I'm sure people much more into Star Trek have
1: contemplated this more than I have. Yeah. Most Vulcans don't seem necessarily starved for emotion. Um, and part of the issue is that, like, uh, well, Vulcans are stronger physically than humans, and then they also have very strong, passionate emotions, and so part of the reason that they've done the Extreme Logic is to control their emotions, because when they let themselves feel to their full extent, it kind of goes badly. Okay. So that's part of why this whole philosophy has evolved. Interesting. Yeah. I'm not the biggest Vulcan uh, lore and and myth and history person. But that's my understanding of it.
0: Well, you know more than I do.
1: Yeah. Uh, Were there any particular parts in the Discovery plot that you remember thinking well of, or...
0: I really liked the opening scene
1: with um,
0: uh,
1: Michael and Tilly running on the ship. Yeah, doing the training run. I yeah, really enjoyed that as well, um, and it was a nice bookend scene in, in this episode too. And I liked. Um, I just I liked their conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, I
0: hope they. Or I was discussing with a friend that we both hope that eventually we
1: can purchase their t-shirts that they were wearing. I There's a link that was shared to a Star Trek okay. store that's got them out already. Sorry, I thought you were going to say unofficial. No, I think it's actually official. You think it is? Okay. Yeah, because it was like 26 bucks US or something. So I liked that, and I liked the team...
0: That sort of formed with uh, Michael and Tilly and Tyler? Mm-hmm. Okay. I only knew his name because I'm looking at our show notes. Mm-hmm. Even um, then, apparently, I wasn't sure. Mm-hmm. I thought that they were really going to go in a different direction with Tyler, so it was nice to see him making friends, and, and, and I just liked
1: their their team working together. Yeah, it was good. And he had better, uh, like, seeing him with other crew members helped. helped the character for me. Like, it helped get me connected to him more as well.
0: Yeah, like, don't get me wrong, I sure. still hope that we see more fallout from his seven months in captivity. Yeah. As possibly a sexual slave um, <clears throat> to an alien race, whatever. Um, So I, I hope that has more fallout than... because
1: there was zero in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to say that was one part of it for me where I was like, oh, so like seven months, and he's just like, you know, doing some combat training missions with the captain, and like they don't mention if he's had any psych evals or anything, anything like that at all. He just seems fine. I can see where maybe... <sighs> I don't even know how
0: to... Say what I'm trying to say. Like, maybe it doesn't come up for him right away. You know, he's gotten so good at just suppressing it. Right. True. That it might take a couple weeks in his new safe home for it to come bubbling back up.
1: Yeah, that's fair.
0: But, yeah, kind of like like what you said, seeing him interact with people who weren't the captain. Mm-hmm. I feel like, especially since it, his, his story, at any rate, opened with a scene with Lorca. Mm-hmm. In which he very much felt like the captain's puppet almost.
1: Yes. Which is
0: sort of where I thought that they were going with him. But then seeing him with Michael and Tilly, I didn't get that vibe at all and he felt, like I said, like part of the team, part of
1: the crew. At the end of this episode, we're gonna talk about some theories about him. And I'll be Kate doesn't hasn't read any of them yet. So I'm going to be very interested to hear her reaction to them when we get there.
0: This is actually a different experience for me. Because usually when I watch a show, I'm all about reading all the theories. And getting Mm. way deep into it. And blah 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 blah. So it's actually kind of nice to just be like... I will let
1: Jen handle all of that. (laughs) And I will just stay over here. (laughs) I'm not even trying very hard. It's mostly just... As things pop up on my Facebook that uh, I read a little bit sometimes I don't even read the article it's enough to just read the headline and then read a few comments from other people on it and uh, yeah there's a lot to pick up yeah so let's talk about the other plotline a bit the Lorca plotline the Lorca plotline with Admiral Cornwell which, again, there was a nice three-beat of the Admiral Cornwell scenes.
0: I-, I did not want them to sleep together. No. But then they did. Yep. Um, but other than that, I actually liked that they showed that, you know, he can't get away with all of this. Y- you know what I mean?
1: that. Yeah, people are noticing.
0: Yeah. And that... There might be something more going on with him than just him being a jerk.
1: Like that he's having his own uh, trauma issues from yeah. his ship. So, in the uh, the scene after they've had sex, mm-hmm. where Cornwell's basically saying, like, you know, that's it. I'm gonna, like rein you in or reass- I can't even remember what she says yeah and he has that moment where he's like no no and he's freaking out did you think he was acting there or did you think that was really his him being vulnerable
0: you know I, I don't know I know I and I actually like like not knowing seems like what they want us to ha- to think you know what I mean yeah that wasn't a mm-hmm. sentence but you know what I mean
1: yeah they don't want us to... Well, even she was saying, you know, I can't tell if you're lying or if this is the real you. And I was like, yeah, and for that scene, I really couldn't... I, I could go either way. Yeah. Um, you know, either it's clear way... that he doesn't... Mm-hmm. I was going to say, it's clear that he doesn't want to lose command
0: yeah I, w- I was gonna say either way it I the feelings behind it like mm-hmm. were real him not wanting to lose his ship mm-hmm. but whether that came from a genuine like this is all I have or uh, or I, um
1: not wanting to give up the power, yeah versus genuinely caring about his crew and wanting to legitimately make a difference.
0: Yeah. This this episode really showed how sometimes I really enjoy the character of Captain Lorca and mm-hmm. sometimes I really just want to punch him in the face.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you feel about the end when it turns out Sarek can't go on this diplomatic mission to rendezvous with some Klingons and Lorca immediately suggests the Admiral?
0: You know, I genuinely don't think This, I generally don't think he was thinking sabotage there. I think he took advantage of it when it
1: happened, but I don't think he was trying to sabotage her. You don't think he was setting her up thinking things would probably go badly? I like to think that he didn't think that at any rate, because if he sabotaged her on purpose... There's
0: very little redeeming qualities then. Like, there's little that he could do in the future that I would be like, well, I guess I can forgive you. But I would be a little bit more forgiving if he genuinely thought, this is a diplomatic mission, we need to try to um, Mm -hmm. salvage it. And then when it did go bad, he was like, well,
1: (laughs) nobody's ordered me to go rescue her. I mean, even... In the scene where they were saying goodbye and she was on her way, Mm -hmm. I was already thinking that, oh, yeah, he probably is hoping that something happens to her. Even, like, it was fairly obvious that something was going to. Like, I didn't feel like that was a huge surprise twist that the Klingons were betraying. But, but yeah, even at that very beginning scene, I was like, yeah, of course he's going to say goodbye to her and send her off and suggest she go, hoping that this. Basically, gets rid of his problem. So I'm taking a little more cynical view on him in that. I just part.
0: the only the only reason that I don't think it is because he would have assumed that they would kill her, not capture her. And I don't think I don't think he would do that. Not send her to her death. I don't know. Maybe I am being naive, but it just seems that's that's basically murder.
1: Yeah, I I don't think. Would he think that that would send her to her death? Cause he was just on a Klingon prison ship, where they were trying to interrogate him. So would he be assuming that it's murder, or would he be assuming it's captured by the Klingons? Is that any better, though? Like, I mean, send torture, you to certain yeah. death, or certain send you to certain torture.
0: Well, to be fair, they killed everyone else. Um, I don't know. I like to think he didn't hope that she was, that his problem was going to be taken care of, but. I guess because I do like him as a character, and I would like to continue liking him. Mm. I don't know if I can like him.
1: Right. And then so at the end, when he was like, well, we're going to follow orders on this one. You bought that he was just... Like, did you think that he was? Her words had sunk in, and he was starting oh, to change. Oh no, 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 no! Or not one is just no. That
0: he realized. Oh well, that got my problem. Like, I think he's taking advantage of the situation. You know what I mean? Okay. But yeah. But I, I don't think he orchestrated it. I'm okay. That naive.
1: Okay. And we only saw the Klingons very, very briefly in this one. Hmm. Any thoughts? Anything jump out at you for that? No. No. Yeah, there wasn't really much in there. I don't really see why people... Well, I
0: guess I see why they went to this diplomatic meeting, but isn't the whole thing about Klingons that they don't do diplomacy?
1: They just kill folk? Yeah, I think, from what I recall, because this part of the explanation kind of went really quickly at the beginning, was that these were two houses that were not yet unified with the warring Klingons. And Ooh. the Vulcan envoy and then Starfleet was hoping to, like, create dissension and help these this little faction get stronger against the rest of the Klingons so that they weren't as united, they could be having fighting within the Klingon Empire, which would be better for the Starfleet Federation war effort. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's why they were trying to go, was to try and not necessarily make peace with them, but to help destabilize the Klingons. Okay. That makes sense. And then, it was a betrayal. Surprise! Yeah. That is one thing I will say, is that, like, there were no like surprising plot elements to me. Nothing came out of you know, it wasn't like, oh, that was unexpected or that was interesting. It was like, yep, this is where it's going. You don't always need that though, as long as No, that's it's true. It's a good
0: story still. You don't
1: That's true. It's a good story. The plot devices were well used. Um did you have anything else to say about the episode? Um Okay. I have more things to say. Oh okay. <laughs> um I don't have any particular Star Trek rants for this one. Okay. Um the only Easter egg that was in there was what at the beginning when Burnham and Tilly were running, I think, was when she brought it up, about the getting promoted to a ship like the Constitution class Enterprise. Mm. is she did kind of name drop that ship in there. I caught that. And I don't think that there was anything else, except for the mention, of course, of Spock, which, you know, is very obvious. I wouldn't consider that like... Oh, I meant to tell you. hmm I didn't read the whole article. I just sort of read,
0: I guess, the headline, but somebody said that they are definitely not having any Spock cameos.
1: I have heard that as well, that it's... No, the show's decided they're not going to go there. Um, I think somebody asked this on on Twitter again. But anyways. Um, But yeah, they're definitely not going for a spot cameo. And then I missed on last week's episode when Saru was looking up the list of captains. All the captains on the list are Easter eggs. Uh, Matthew on Twitter, Matthew Vos... Pointed out that the other two captains are also captains from Star Trek. So which which ones? Uh there you, it was, uh, Captain April and Captain Decker. And I can't remember any more where exactly they were this- from. Doesn't Discovery happen before
0: all the other Star Treks? Like, who are these people? Where... How do we know them? Not that this is important.
1: Well, at this point in the timeline, Captain Pike, who was on that list, is probably the current captain of the Enterprise. And then... Matthew did tell me which the other two captains were, but they were both... Like, all of these captains were either from... um, Well, Jonathan Archer, which was the captain of in Star Trek Enterprise, which happens even before this. Okay. And then all the rest were captains. Well, there's Captain Georgiou, who was mm-hmm. in this. Yeah. And then the other three, Pike was captain of the Enterprise. And the other two, I can't remember if they were other Enterprise captains, but they were also mentioned and have are affiliated with the original series. So, they're concurrent to this timeline, because, I mean, there's only a 10-year gap, and it's very feasible for someone to be captain of a ship for more than a decade. I suppose. So. So, yeah. So, I missed that. Thank you to Matthew for pointing that out to us. And the other thing I wanted to talk about with this episode was the food replicators. Okay. Okay. And how they comment on all of your food choices.
0: That that does seem hilarious.
1: I know. <laughs> and I was just like, as they're doing their breakfast burritos, which I thought was also very cute. Mm-hmm. And the food replicator is commenting on like, it's combination of, you know, nutrients and balance and everything like that. I was like, so when you go up to it and you order like, you know, a hot... Uh, hot chocolate with extra whipped cream like what does it say when you do that
0: maybe it just (laughs) remarks on its deliciousness i
1: was like what happens when you go up and order that thing that's absolutely totally unhealthy for you but you love and it's like does it say are you making the wisest choices today lieutenant (laughs) (laughs) I was just yeah i thought that was entertaining
0: I just got this image in my head of like I'm totally the cadet who would get up in the middle of the night and go to the replicator and be like I would like a bowl of cereal and (laughs) have it be or I could see it you know, making it, and then being like, this is not the best time for
1: to be having breakfast. (laughs) Or be like, this is not the ideal time for the human body to be, you know, metabolizing so much carbohydrates. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I... I could totally see that. Or like, when she was in the prison cell and she had to like, talk her way out of it. I wonder if sometimes if you're making too many bad choices, and tries to stop you and you have to like, get past the computer logic to get the food you want.
0: Oh god, I would just punch it. (laughs) I'm surprised more people aren't like, just give me a (laughs) cup of coffee,
1: god. I don't care if it's my third cup. I just need another cup of coffee. That's one of the technologies that people always wish for. It would be high up on my list of things right now. Would be the a replicator.
0: Yeah, that'd be great. No dishes. No waiting. Just food. Oh, I know. Yeah. I'd, Although I would probably would- still do some baking myself because I enjoy baking. Mm-hmm. But. I wanted one of those breakfast burritos, you know? Yeah. I love a good breakfast burrito. I haven't had many breakfast burritos, but yeah. The best one I ever had was in San Diego. I bought it at a random grocery store near the convention center. One one Comic-Con of yore. Yeah. Oh man, it was good.
1: I imagine San Diego would have some good food options. Maybe we didn't. <laughs> we like go to yeah, if we, Well, we go to a grocery store and buy just sandwiches.
0: Yeah. And like granola bars.
1: Yeah. My own experience at conventions was the same. As it's like either you stand in endless lines to get like the convention uh cafe- like not cafeteria food, but like whatever the, the, the con pizza. The yeah. The con pizza or whatever like that. Um or there's like very limited options around And, uh, or, like, you have to go to, like, a sit-down restaurant, which is, of course, then, like, swamped with all the convention people. So it's, like, a 40-minute wait for your table, and it just, yeah. The options are not great. And I don't, like,
0: there's no way to describe what San Diego is like during Comic-Con if you haven't been there. Like, it it literally takes over the whole city. So Mm -hmm. it...
1: Yeah, I've been to, um, uh, Penny Arcade Expo. It's mm-hmm. a convention we've been to. and You, that's you can in say Seattle. PAX. I understand PAX. Not all of our listeners might understand PAX, oh, but yes, yeah, so it is referred to as PAX, and it's in Seattle, and it's not as nearly as big as the San Diego Comic-Con. But yeah, even there I can remember it being like, okay, well, you know, we better bring some food, or like, try and track down a grocery store in the middle of the business district of Seattle. And... Uh, it always kind of sucked. And I'd be way worse at it now, because now I'm not in, like, you know, gaming mode like I was then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can survive for long hours on basically junk. Now I'm like, no, no, my body needs real food.
0: See, we would always do the grocery store options so that we wouldn't have to survive on junk. Like, we would get <laughs> good sandwiches and, like, some yeah, yeah, carrots and, you know, an apple that type of thing. Yes. And also that way, uh, we would usually always just go to a panel early or something and sit through and then, something we didn't care about to eat a sandwich. That's how we right. would have lunch. Right. Saw yeah. some
1: very strange panels that way. Good. Expanding your horizons. Okay. Are we ready to talk, to do the fortune cookies?
0: I'm ready to do the fortune cookies.
1: Okay. So, this week we get two fortunes because it was, again, a double, Even though I only ate one cookie. Uh, are you ready for fortune number one? I am ready for fortune number one. Okay. The first one, you will be fortunate in everything you put your hands to.
0: I just remembered I'm not ready. I had a question to ask about the fortune cookie thing. <laughs>
1: okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, does it have to be about this particular episode? Uh, it can be whatever you want it to be about. doesn't have to I'm, be about this particular Star Trek series. I I would limit it to, like, this particular Star Trek series. Like Discovery, or at least, or like, Kimmy. a character that came up in the show. So, like, okay. if this... Because this one mentioned, like, Spock, right? So, like, right. if one of these you think applies to Spock, then yeah, you can...
0: Okay, perfect. Um... You're gonna to have to give it to me again because I forget what you said. Sorry.
1: Okay. Now, now that we're really ready, <laughs> really ready this time. Uh, okay. Um, did you ever do fortune cookies where you add like in bed to the end of the fortune? In my family, God, yes. Okay. I feel like doing this was never a thing when I was younger. This was only oh no, it was, a few it was my, my aunt who taught us that when I was a kid. <laughs> Um, but in this case, I feel like adding in space to all the entities. <laughs> you will be fortunate in everything you put your hands to in space. Um, huh.
0: You know, you'll be fortunate. I kind of, I kind of thank Michael for this one because... Yeah? At the end of the episode, guess what? You're a mutineer, but you're also an officer again.
1: Well, <laughs> oh, she's... Did they make like, her an officer again? Or was I it just remember. like, he definitely? S- I don't. He gave her a rank and said report to the bridge. Oh my god, I think you're right. Oh, that's right, he gave her the, um... science officer. Yeah. Like a science... Oh, that's right. Basically Spock's job. the um, basically her old job. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, Saru's old job. She and Saru will have flipped. Right. She was yes. Yes. She science was. officer. She was first officer. Yes, of course. Um, you'll be fortunate in everything you put your hands to. Yeah, I think that Michael is probably the best choice for that one. I will also pick Michael. She probably doesn't see it that way, but. True. yes, yes. Give me number two. Number two? Your loyalty shall be rewarded. In space. (laughs) Uh, Tyler. (laughs) You're picking that for Tyler? Yeah.
0: I think it's obvious.
1: Yeah, well... They kind of set up this thing with Lorca and Tyler and that vibe at the very beginning... Mm-hmm. And I feel like they're setting that up for like a future episode because I was kind of expecting Tyler to have to have like a, a crisis point where he was then going to have to like do something he didn't want to do to prove his loyalty.
0: But it was maybe like, he's like
1: a sleeper agent. Oh, that's going to come up. Mm. <sighs> Just, yeah. Um,. Your loyalty shall be rewarded. I think this also applies to the Klingons. Yes. Like, that's why... That's why those two smaller houses, like, set up this whole trap, was to prove themselves loyal to Cole, who's, like, trying to unite the Klingon Empire.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I honestly had completely forgotten about them.
1: Okay. Okay there we go there are our fortune cookie picks if anyone listening wants to send us their thoughts on who the fortune cookies fit then just please send us a tweet we are at command of her own on twitter or you can email us a commandofherown at gmail.com now i think we're gonna get into some different fan theories which may possibly have spoilers. And I just want to put that warning out there for people listening. If you're not interested in this, then you might want to stop the podcast or, like, skip ahead uh, so that you don't have to sit through it.
0: When I mentioned earlier about him being a sleeper agent, Mm -hmm. I immediately thought to myself, obviously somebody out there has come up with that already, and I sound like (laughs) an idiot.
1: (laughs) Okay. So, one of our Twitter followers, Gypsy Book Nerd, tweeted at us an article, which I don't have in front of me anymore and I actually couldn't bring up again after I originally looked at it, I had to like Google for it again. And there's several articles out here out there that have the same sort of theory, but the gist of it is is that there are many people who think that Lieutenant Tyler is the Klingon Vok in disguise? Oh! I kind of mm-hmm. like that. Oh, you do? Okay. That doesn't surprise me at all about you, actually. <laughs> Wait, why? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs>
0: it just... That was, like, a comment on my personality or anything.
1: <laughs> no, I think it just... Like, you sometimes like twists like that. Okay. But yeah. So, obviously, since you kind of like that, it's not like it's overly shocking or is like flying in the face of the logic that you have. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I'm entirely convinced. I'm not convinced either. I just like it. You just like that as a theory? Mm Mm-hmm. Most of their supporting evidence for it, the the stuff that makes the most sense to me, mm-hmm. is actually, like, the behind-the-scenes stuff. Because when they originally got the actor, when they originally signed him, he was originally announced to play a Klingon. And then it switched. Mm-hmm. And then one of the other issues is that the, the actor playing Vok... Has like a one line bio in IMDb, zero credits other than this. Uh, there's no pictures of him outside of his makeup. And um, his last name is like similar to one of the names of the guy who plays Tyler. Uh-huh. And then to further add. I'm just yeah. going to
0: jump in. The mm-hmm. reason that I like it, or, like, the number one reason that I like it, mm-hmm. is that it explains all the weird stuff with Lorel in the previous episode. Like, it, I... it suddenly makes a lot of her actions make more sense.
1: Her, well, we'll talk about that. I want to get through this one more thing, okay. and then I okay. will talk Sorry. about, like, all you the go. plot stuff. The other bit of evidence that they've cited was that in the s- filming schedule... Um, Tyler, because Tyler wasn't seen until the last episode and the filming on that didn't start right away, but he was in the cat, like he arrived in Toronto way before his scenes were scheduled to be filmed. If he is just Tyler and there was like pictures of him with the cast and crew, uh, like offset pictures posted on social media again way before his scenes as Tyler were actually being filmed okay and so a lot of people were like well why would he be there that early a lot of times actors don't show up that early if they're not needed on set kind of thing so why would he be there unless and like the person playing vok isn't there right there's there's no other guy where people are like yeah that was the dude who played vok
0: this is um, really
1: interesting Yeah. Now, in terms of the plot of the show, this is where I remain slightly unconvinced and skeptical. Oh, yeah. And the showrunners have said, like, no, it's not the same dude. Whether we trust them or not, I don't know. I am particularly skeptical of Star Trek showrunners since (laughs) Star Trek Into Darkness. Okay kinda of mad and bitter about that. <laughs> but but yeah, in terms of plot, they're like, oh well, you know, Lorel said that she was gonna send him back to the matriarchs, which is like her family as her house, I should say, her her Klingon house, is known for like um spying and things like that. She did make them kind of sound
0: like um Oh, I'm going to say this wrong and completely mess up my nerd cred, but the, the Benny Jesuits from Dune. The Benny Jesuits
1: from Dune. Have, uh, do you have I any idea what I'm talking about? I do have an idea what you're talking about. Okay. Were they spies in... They were... I don't remember that part. Okay, so
0: here's a difficult thing to explain, mm-hmm. especially since I, A, haven't read the book in a while, and B, didn't really like it. Um... Mm. But from what I recall, they were basically an order of women who just manipulated politics and stuff kind of behind the scenes.
1: I I definitely got that they were political and part of, like, the power structure. For, I've, I haven't read the book. I've only seen the movie. Um, so, but yeah, I could see that as being a, a parallel, actually. Uh, so, yeah, so, like, they're known as political spymasters and manipulators. hmm And... So they were saying, like, you know, he went back, he spent a bunch of time learning how to pose as a human, and then they planted him on the prison ship as a way to get inside Starfleet and figure out stuff on the spore drive.
0: I now have this, like, whole complete other
1: mindset for what I hope happens with Tyler. Oh, really? If he is indeed Vok. If he is indeed Vok, what do you hope happens? Like, that he
0: just starts to like all the humans, and that he is instrumental in
1: bringing about the truce. That would be an interesting twist. Uh, See, the story part's about... This keep me being skeptical is why would Vok himself do this? Like, he hates humans. He doesn't want to be like them. He has tried to be very, very, very Klingon. Not being anywhere in Klingon territory, being deeply submersed in, like, a Starfleet environment Mm -hmm. does not help him lead... The Klingons back to being Klingons, but the Klingons
0: did betray him recently, and I can see where like he can't bring anybody back to being Klingon if he's dead.
1: Well, that's true, and like I can see this being a Klingon plot. I can see Tyler being a sleeper agent. I can see him being a Klingon in disguise, but I don't know that Vok himself would go somewhere where he can't keep tabs on what's happening with all the Klingon houses and trying to spread the teachings of Tecumvah. Like, I, I'm just not buying that. I could see him sending an agent, but I can't see him going himself. Though I mean, like like you said, it does help to explain Laurel's reactions in the last episode a little bit more. I still think it was like a huge overreaction because then I'm like, okay, so if if he's if this is the plan that he's gonna pose as a Starfleet officer and infiltrate infiltrate Starfleet, then why did she freak out when he was escaping? Just as like, part was, of the ruse. That's part of the ruse?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, and then, is he even aware that he's Vok? That's an interesting thought, too. Like, does he have fake memories implanted or something?
0: Sleeper agent. So, Yeah.
1: Anyways, I'm still somewhat skeptical. Um... I'm surprised that Lorca isn't more skeptical of him.
0: Maybe he is. Yeah. Yeah, That's why he's keeping him so close.
1: Oh, the other thing with him being potentially like a a Klingon in disguise is that it somewhat helps explain the timeline for him because Vok was stranded on the uh, sarcophagus ship for six months. So he would have only really been like on that prison ship for a few weeks as like if he went back to the Klingon matriarchs and they hatched the scheme and then planted him on that prison ship, all of that would have taken place in like the six to eight weeks time period, which would explain why he wouldn't look more beat up. I really like this theory. I'm interested for to see what happens. And then you have Sometimes. to wonder are they going to find the real Tyler somewhere? Because they could they can verify with their records that this was a real person who was in this battle. Hmm. So did the Klingons capture him or just like find his body and decide to use it as their cover? Interesting. So yeah, I'm personally hoping he's not Vok. That seems a very you thing, too. Yes. <laughs> but who knows how it'll turn out. Oh, the other part I like about this theory, though, is that a lot of people commented on the beginning at how strange the Klingon sounded. And so I was like, well, if it is the actor, same actor playing Vok... Maybe he's trying not to sound like himself mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To, so that he doesn't give it away. And so that's why it's sounding like a weird cadence and stuff is because he's like trying hard to like not sound like himself talking Klingon. So, yeah. Although it's, it's all the Klingons that people were talking about with that. Yeah, it wasn't just him. That's true. So yeah, so that's that one theory. If you want to hear other theories that are floating around out there, um, let us know. You can tweet at us or send us an email, because this isn't the only one I've read. And as long as Kate doesn't mind talking about them and people want to hear us talking about them, then that is something we can include here and there.
0: If if you give me some warning, I can... I can also look into theories before the next time we
1: talk about them. It's also kind of fun to surprise you with them.
0: That's true too.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, the other thing, slight thing I was going to say was um, in terms of the actor being originally cast to play a Klingon, and then that switching, because I heard about that like way early on when it happened, and... I totally didn't think anything of it because if you're an actor who's not used to wearing the prosthesis required to play an alien like this, I could totally see you going to like a makeup test and then being like, I'm going to have problems with this and the show trying to accommodate the actor that they like. So that's why it didn't surprise me was, you know, they do have actors who like get cast as... Aliens, and then they realize that what the makeup requirements are, and like feel claustrophobic, or like start to, you know, have really strong adverse physical reactions to it. And it, if that's what happened, it's nice to know that the they just were like, okay, well, we'll we'll see if we can work you in cast as this person instead.
0: I don't know. I uh, that doesn't seem like it would happen to me just because. Contracts are complicated things. And once... Like, on both sides. Mm -hmm. And, like, I know... Like, in Lord of the Rings, Jonathan Rhys Davies was highly, highly allergic to his prosthetics that he had to wear to play Gimli. And he still had to wear them every
1: single day. Mm. That's true. But, like, I know in Star Trek history... Like, I think when Marina Sirtis was cast... In Star Trek the Next Generation. I think she was cast originally in the security chief role.
0: I have no idea and who this is.
1: Uh, Counselor Troy. Oh, okay. Yep. I think that she wasn't... She, the actress wasn't originally cast for that role. She was originally cast for a different role. And I think there's been a few different um, instances of that happening in Star Trek. Where they were like, originally cast person as, as this. And then... Swapped actors or changed people out, so but yeah. Anyways, it didn't surprise me necessarily. Could have um, also just
0: been like faulty reporting.
1: That could be, or like just an honest miscommunication. Yeah. So the this theory works because you can see it both ways. Oh, and then my other final thought on it is maybe he is playing both. But maybe they're not trying to do it as like a conspiracy. Maybe he just because Vok doesn't have many scenes.
0: Is like maybe playing they both just double casted the actor. Yeah. For that one, I think they would just tell us though.
1: Yeah, that could be. Why would they try and hide it? Yeah, like why?
0: Because I was I just read, literally while we were having this discussion, um, mm-hmm. the actor apparently responded to the rumors with a stereotypical Mm. non-answer just like oh I try not to read the internet Mm um okay so instead of recommendations this week Mm -hmm. just well I mean we can still do recommendations if we want but I thought it'd be more fun to end I had a question that I wished to pose to both you and our audience although you are not allowed to answer until next week we have to think about it we have to ruminate on it as a Simmer in our minds. Mm -hmm. Specifically because there is a scene in this episode where Lorca, like, punches a fortune cookie onto his desk. Okay. And let me tell you, there was no fortune in that cookie. No. So here's this question. If there's no fortune, is it still a fortune cookie? Okay. Please, everybody listening, send in your thoughts. Twitter, email...
1: Jen, get back to me next week. Okay. I've made a note of it to get back to you next week. On well, this question. If there's no fortune, is it still a fortune cookie?
0: Also yeah. this way you don't have to come up with a recommendation.
1: Thank you. Although I I brainstormed a few lists last week.
0: I thought one in the morning, blah my recommendation
1: yeah. is don't podcast at one in the morning. <laughs> yes. I'm not feeling as bad as I thought I would, so... I I feel worse than I thought I would, so there we go. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, one last thing I want to do mm-hmm. um, is share the results of our poll, which means I have to find that tweet.
0: Oh, you unpinned it, didn't you? I did,
1: yeah. <laughs> you wrote that one on yourself. I know. Okay, so we had a poll where... Theoretically, um, we were asking what kind of bonus episode would people want to hear. And the choice that actually ended up winning out was Trek movies. The other, the next option was general themes of Star Trek. And then coming in last was like a TNG Voyager, a DS9 episode review. Now, related to this, actually, I didn't realize Trek movies had won, because it was not in the lead the last time I checked. Um, This week, I actually bought Star Trek Into Darkness. Which one is that? Okay, so that's in the Kelvin timeline, so it's the latest of them, and it's the middle movie. See, that's supposed to be the worst of them. I know, and I don't want to actually watch until I track down the last movie. What I think we should do mm-hmm.
0: is watch um, Generations because that's the one that I saw as a kid. And it would be okay. interesting for me to rewatch it. And like maybe I could write down what I remember of it before I watch it. Right. And it would be fun to like compare.
1: <laughs> that could be fun. Or we could even do like record a little thing about like what you remember. Like, I can ask you, so, like, as a child, like, what do you remember about the movie? And then do a recording again Mm -hmm. after. That could be fun. Um, So we'll have to see if that works at all with our schedules, because, of course, the break does happen over Christmas when, understandably, people's schedules go crazy. Yes. But, yeah.
0: Although, usually, usually the the break is longer than just two weeks or whatever
1: yeah i think the final episode airs late in november and then they come back first week of january so it is a whole month but then also oh my gosh i can't believe we didn't announce this at the beginning of the show you can tell tonight um it was just announced yesterday that uh they've officially gone ahead for season two So, there will be a season 2, which means that there will be a break between season 1 and 2, where we could also do, hypothetically speaking, bonus episodes.
0: Oh yeah, we're not gonna... If we stop podcasting, we would lose all of our listeners.
1: Yes. Yes. So we will definitely have to fill that gap up for you guys with some more Star Trek talk. Which might mean Caitlin has to watch other Star Trek series. That'll be fun for her. (laughs) Are we ready to wrap it up? Oh god, yes. Not that I don't enjoy talking with you. But you you sound like you're getting to that really weary nighttime part of a cold. Yeah. Okay. So that's it for this week's show. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions or comments you would like to share with us, you can contact us at command of her own at gmail.com or on twitter at command of her own and that's it yeah thanks for see you next week we will talk to you again next week hopefully kate will be feeling better yeah Uh hopefully (laughs)
0: bye bye Bye. all right Kate. is that good yeah that's that's fine i I like that awkward goodbyes are (laughs) our thing I'm going to take some NyQuil and it's going to be fabulous.